I'm still the reigning defending champion. It's not gonna happen. It's over. He doesn't have a second running back on his team. It's done. Justin needs to lose. It's not gonna happen. No playoffs for you. A lot of his players are on by. You're over. It was embarrassment. No quadruple. Please. No triple. Please. No double. Please. It's all over. Just give up. A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz. I, I was going to say how you doing, but after after the, the weekend that I've had, um, I, I hope you had a terrible weekend, Mark. I mean, I knew that I wasn't going to be making the playoffs in our league, but I uh, clinched the playoffs in three of my other leagues. Uh, I uh, snuck into the playoffs in one of those leagues. I didn't expect to make it in. And I pulled from the jaws of defeat a first-round buy in another league that none of us thought I was going to get because we didn't know the rules for that league. Mm. But well, ultimately... That's all very yeah, lovely. What, what happened in our league is what this podcast is on. So I, I love how you're skimming uh, over. Oh, uh, why don't we lead off with the most important story then? <laughs> we, we're not going to get into in stats or injuries yet. We're going to dive right into it because, listeners, for most of you out there, this is playoff week. This is week 15. We've had our 14 weeks of regular season play. We've had all of our buys. This is the time where those that have grinded, that have been savvy on the waiver wire, that have traded with other players, hopefully you haven't traded for like five quarterbacks over the course of a season. Our league came down to one game for that last playoff spot. Our league came down to, well, I guess two games. But Biz destroyed his opponent this week. Who did you have? Uh, my, favorite, my favorite team in the league, Improper Mark. You're playing Improper Mark. So you mm. decimated Improper Mark in a game mm. that he had nothing to gain or lose. He had already secured a first-round buy. But it, even if there wasn't any collusion there uh, or things like that, you put up, what, 150, 160-something points? Like, you just completely obliterated him. But... I did indeed. The game that was most important was myself versus Justin. And listeners, I'm proud to say that Justin only put up a measly uh. 87.36 points. Ah. Oh. Uh, fortunately, I couldn't score uh, 70 points. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't get my, my, my job done there. Uh, ultimately, the thing that did me in and ultimately led to Biz's downfall, and I'll let Biz have the microphone to be able to uh, say everything that's on his chest. You had two Georgia Southern alums, myself and Justin, playing against each other. And the team that had a Georgia Southern player and Jarek McKinnon ended up being the difference. We were talking about how, the, how Justin had only one running back on his team. And the difference in points that Jarek McKinnon had was actually the difference in our score. So kudos to you, Justin. Uh, but quite frankly... On this podcast, nobody's happy. So, 
We'll see how you do in the playoffs. Fizz, I've talked for way too long. This is your moment. So when I woke up this morning, and in fact, even from last night, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to say on this? You had one job this week, mm-hmm. one job to beat Justin. And you, as you mentioned, you put up a measly 67 points or something. 0.68. Let's be fair. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I don't know where to begin. You know what? First of all, I'm going to start with, um, you know, I had a bit of an epiphany uh, yesterday and this morning. You know, obviously me and Justin have been going back and forth. You know, as far as I'm concerned, he didn't beat me a few weeks ago. It was a draw, but, you know, we can, we can dust conversation for another day. <laughs> um, I'm sure the stats committee can go over that and look. But I had an epiphany that actually, no, what, why am I angry at Justin? There's one person and one person only who I blame my playoff, you know, me not getting into the playoffs for, and that is my esteemed co-host. You had mm. one job. Your record is 3-10, and 10, I believe. No, no, and no, you no, had hold on, hold on, hold on. It's three and eleven. Let's be fair. <laughs> uh, I 60, 67 points. Uh, now here's the here's the other thing. We, we talked about this the last few weeks. You said you've uh, I me I had a lot of work to do. The last two weeks, who did I play? The top two teams in our the league. Top two teams in the league. Yeah, right. And I beat them both weeks. Not only that, I beat them. I beat them fairly well. Ned, I beat by. 14 points I think or mm-hmm. nothing huge but a decent win I crushed Mark as you said certainly no collusion um, not at all um, and um, you know I beat him by 60 points there's an argument that I, I would have been the hottest team going into the playoffs Yeah. and Mark laid an egg now the other thing is as you mentioned you're in 100 leagues and basically you've got in the playoffs in all of them so I, I, do, I do think, you know, there is an element of, hmm, you know, deliberate, you know, tanking. Are you, deliberate, are you accusing me of sabotage? Me? No. Me? No, no. Not in the slightest. Now, I am also going to, on a, on a stats level, on an analytics level, you know you, you, you know, you love your analytics. You just brought up, you talked about how last week Justin needed a running back. He was on the waiver wire mm-hmm. uh, because he, uh, his running backs were on a bye. So who does he go and pick up? Jerk McKinnon, who had a fantastic week. Mm-hmm. So I was actually looking at your team probably for mm-hmm. the first time since week one. Now, who, who did you have playing in your flex spot? Uh, I believe I had James Cook because he had had a really good uh, game the past couple of weeks. Okay. So I was just going to say, what, why didn't you think about going to pick up Jerk McKinnon or someone else? Answer that exactly why. Uh, because my strategy for the draft this year was not just to focus about this year. We had very different strategies going into the draft. You were saying, I'm going to be trying to win as much as I can, as quickly as I can. And I said, I have a vision for the future. So because of that, am I going to be dropping a potential running back that might be their future for the next couple of years in James Cook, who, you know, that may not have pan- that may, may not pan out in the future, but he certainly had an opportunity to be able to hold on to. Or am I going to be taking a guy like Jared McKinnon, who has had multiple injuries over the past several years and never blows up, never is great, and honestly is the third running back on his own team? I wasn't even considering Jared McKinnon. So there you have it. You have officially admitted to sabotaging me. Because I you, never you said, have said, 
<laughs> I never admitted to sabotaging. You are yes, twisting you did. words around, good sir. Yes, you what did. What I you... said, I tried every single week to put out the best team that my draft possibly could. No, you don't. I tried every you said you're, single you're... week. No, no my draft, saving. my draft was intentionally trying to make sure that I had the best opportunity going forward. But when I was making the opportunity for this week, I was thinking, which of these two players is better for me in the long term? And I honestly thought that James Cook could do better than Jarek McKinnon could this week as well. And that's from somebody who is a big fan of Jarek McKinnon, who was a quarterback for us at Georgia Southern. The last thing I'm going to say, well, there's two, the two, thing, two things I'm going to say before you can respond. As you, as you mentioned, I, I crushed the improper mark. And how many points did he get? I believe he got 91, mm-hmm. 92 or something. So if improper Mark could play Justin this week, who would be in the playoffs this week? Oh, that would be... Well, who would you be playing? Well, no, if I was playing you, obviously. Oh, if you were playing so me, like sure. But, I be- but you beat me a couple of weeks ago. So are you just going to take that lo- lo- win away and put it somewhere else? No, I'm just and saying. I also that... want to point. I also want to bring out that this all could have been avoided had you just beaten Justin a few weeks ago. But the one, and and it, actually, you could have switched out any win that you had over the last five weeks with beating Justin, and you would have gotten in the playoffs. So I love how you bring up. Um, I love how you bring up my uh, my my match against Justin. All I'm saying is, it came down to this last week. I, I'm I'm you know I'm not to quote Stephen A. Smith. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about mm-hmm. the future. I'm just talking about this last week. And if Justin had played in proper mark, if the, if the matches were switched, I would be in the playoffs. Even, even with Mark scoring a fairly paltry 91 points. The mm-hmm. last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to leave it, leave it at this. As far as I'm concerned, Justin, you had a bye this last week. You didn't actually play a game. You had a bye. That's, I'm just going to leave it at that. So as my co-host had alluded to, we're not here to talk about the past. We're here to talk about the future. Uh, there's still playoffs to go on, and we do have playoffs in our league. And despite the fact that it looks like I haven't been paying attention to the league, as my co-host had alluded to. Which you haven't been to talk about to yet, by the way. The only thing that I will say, as far as all those accusations are concerned, is that in a number of those leagues that I have made the playoffs in biz, there was a fair bit of auto-drafting involved. And in a number of those leagues that we actually drafted, none of them are dynasties. So all I can say as far as like the absolute abysmal performance that I've done in our season this season is that I wish that I had drafted better for the immediacy, (laughs) but I'm coming for that title next year. I just need some (laughs) wide receivers. Oh gosh, my wide receivers were the biggest problems for me this year. They, they, they were indeed. I well, thought I guess the moral... Sutton was going to be so much better this year. Well, than he that's true. Was. Any Denver plays. The moral of the story is... And I also took you need to also number draft. one overall. That's true. You know, I think the, there are two morals of the story here. First, you should also draft in all your leagues. And second, and I have, I have said this to you, I, I think you need to go on your gut a little bit more because you do a lot of research and you do a lot of mock drafts before the league. You know, you know what the even more annoying thing about this is? Obviously, now I go into the consolation bracket. And even if I win that, I can't actually finish higher than where I am. So, like, even right. if I win that, I'll still be seventh. So it's even worse. There's parts of me. You know what's going to happen now? You're going to end up winning the consolation bracket too. That's how I can see that happening. It will be a double whammy. 
One of the things that I'm not 100% certain on, and I have to figure, out, figure this out, but ESPN's rules are very unclear, is I'm actually not sure if I've guaranteed myself the first pick in the draft because I don't know if the consolation bracket plays into that. Oh. Now, I can, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that regardless of this number one pick that I was so excited about, I'm still going to try my best to win this consolation bracket because I'll be damned if you get even a single for any of these titles this year. Although, based <laughs> off of how you're doing in our pickums, you're probably going to get that anyway. You know what, what? What more can I say? You know, you and Justin and Georgia Southern, you can have your day in the sun. Uh, just, just know that, you know what, it was, um, it, it's fraudulent. It's fraudulent. Collusion has gone on. You know, there, there was probably behind the scenes talks about who to play and who not to play. I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not happy about this. So, Justin, I hope you lose in the first round next week. And uh, no, I'm, there are two teams that I, well, we can get into this, but, you know, mm -hmm. because now the playoffs have been set. So why don't you go ahead and talk about the playoff matchups? Playoff matchups for round one. Uh, the two teams that you've beaten over the past two weeks, Ned and Improper Mark, have their well-earned buys, and they're going to be sitting by watching Oliver and Roger the Hammer. Our two punching bags from last year meeting each other in the first round of the playoffs as fourth and fifth seeds. And then Jerry, friend of the podcast, is going to be playing against uh, Justin. Uh, so who do you have coming out of these rounds to, uh, to play our buys? It, it, it's a tough one. I've, I've, got to go, I've got to go with my man Jerry to beat Justin. He did finish third. He has a pretty decent team. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Jerry. I'm going to go with my man from back home, Oliver, to beat Roger the Hammer. Um, and I'm going to go with Jerry and Oliver to advance in this week's playoffs. Although I'm sure it's no surprise that I'm picking uh, Jerry, obviously, over Justin. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're picking Jerry over Justin. Um, <laughs> you know me, I, I... So Justin has DK Metcalf on his team, but I'm looking at the rest of his lineup and... It, it still looks pretty paltry, even after he makes his adjustments for putting his bye players back in. Uh, I, I just think that Jerry's team is just way too strong. Tony Pollard is on his team. James Conner, who had a, a good night last night, and Pat Mahomes. Uh, I think Jerry is going gonna, is gonna to cruise through this round at the beginning. Uh, now, okay. on the other side, Roger and Oliver. Uh, I, uh, there is just something about Roger's team. He's got Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown, arguably the two best receivers that are, in the, that are playing right now as far as fantasy points are concerned. It's not named Stephon Diggs. And he's also got Jamal Williams, who I think still might be leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. And, and Miles Sanders, who's been putting up a fantastic month. So it's going to be really, really close. And I think right now Roger is an underdog. But I'm, I'm, I think that Roger's going to come out of that one. So I got Jerry and Roger. Yeah, Roger has a very, it's a very solid team. Derek Carr, I think, is someone that you sort of boom or bust, I feel. Yeah. And he also has Tom Brady. And again, Tom Brady's this season sort of been the same. Yeah. Um, but he does have David and Joku on the bench. Um, he's been playing well. He's been no, playing very well. So yeah, pitch. I think that is going to be, that is going to be, a good a good matchup. Um, I'm I'm looking at Oliver's team, and and to me, it's it's more solid, it's more dynamic. Obviously, Dak Prescott, 
they're playing at Jacksonville next week. Although Jacksonville will be actually being competitive. You've got Christian McCaffrey, obviously playing at Seattle. Leonard Fournette, yeah, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think that is going to be a very close game. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Oliver because I want my compatriot and countryman to win the league. So I'm kind of rooting for Roger. Kind of rooting for Ned too. We'll see how all of that plays out. But uh, but but those are the teams I'm rooting for. But for this first week, I'm picking Jerry and Roger. So that is how our league is shaped up and how the playoffs have begun for us. Listeners, how did you do in your regular seasons? Go ahead and send us a message over at our Instagram, Improper Fantasy Football, or go ahead and tweet at us at our Twitter handle, Improper Fantasy. And if you have any stories about how the season went for you, go ahead and send those stories our way to improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. Once again, stat leaders for the season are people that we've seen for the most part, with a couple of notable exceptions. This was a Jaguars week, Biz. And one of your favorite guys for the season, guy that you had your hopes on early on in the season, Trevor Lawrence, ended up having himself a day. And combined with him, Evan Ingram actually led with tight ends as well. Trevor Lawrence had 368 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks. Also had a touchdown on the ground as well was good for 36.42 points. But the overall scoring leader for fantasy in our league this past week was actually Evan Ingram with 11 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns, good for 37.2. Nobody's going to be shocked at the amazing 223 yards that Justin Jefferson uh, picked up this past week, uh, led the wide receivers with 34.3 points. Uh, although, interesting surprise out of wide receivers was Chris Moore for the Texans, who got 124 points. Or, sorry, mm-hmm. who got 124 yards. 124 points. That's, points. That's, that's very good. Oh, you know what? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but, uh, unfortunately for both Biz and myself, the running back leader this past week was the waiver wire gem for Justin, Derek McKinnon, who only had 22 rushing yards, but seven catches for 117 yards and two touchdowns. 31.4 points. I think you deliberately last week alerted Justin to the fact that he needed to pick up a running back. And so he went and got, got Jared McKinnon. It was like a, a public service announcement. You don't think Justin <laughs> was going to pick up a guy anyway? No, he would have just had no idea. He would have left gotcha. running, running back blank. But continue, please continue. I'm not bitter about this at all, as you can tell. I'm not bitter about it at all. I in a that. week where England crash out of the World Cup as well. No, no, no. That ended weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yes. That's true. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. The World Cup ended when the United States uh, got this beat the, by the Netherlands. This is the consolation but... bracket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just the tryhards at this point. Yeah. I mean, the stat leaders overall are surprising when you look at the names, um, apart from Justin Jefferson, obviously. Uh, for me, Evan Engram, when I saw his stat line, I was like, I thought it was a bit of a joke because he's a good tight end, but obviously playing for Jacksonville, he, he's had some decent Former game. first round pick. Great. He was, yeah. And this game, he just went off. I mean, the Jags just, you know, put it on the Titans again. I mean, I, I picked the Titans to, to, to beat them and I, I probably should have thought twice. We'll get into that later because it's a division game. But... um, um. Trevor Lawrence, obviously. The thing with Trevor Lawrence for me is I, I've had him, and interestingly, I dropped him a few weeks ago, I think maybe because I was having bi-week issues. And then he was still on the waiver wire, and I thought I would pick him up. Again, using Mark's kind of theory, I thought, well, we are in a dynasty league. He might be a good 
stash for next year. But to me, I just, you can't trust him. You just don't know what you're going to get, which is why I've tended to play Geno Smith, who generally is always around that 18 to 22 points mark. And you always know that, okay, well, that's what he's going to do. And he did it again this week. And obviously, you know, it didn't really make much difference to my overall score or my result. But um, Trevor Lawrence had a monster game. But, you know, I played him last week and he and he didn't play well. Um, so, yeah, it's just tricky. But Evan Engram had a, had a game for the ages. I mean, that's stunning for a tight end. Um, two touchdowns, 11 receptions for 162 yards. I mean, that's, that's very good. Before we get into our four high-profile injuries that we have, I, I do want to just briefly mention a few other injuries that are going to be notable for fantasy owners this week. Uh, Kenny Pickett left the game with the Steelers with a concussion. Damian Pierce uh, left the Texans game with an ankle injury. It looked like he tried to come back in but was held out by uh, his head coach. Uh, the Bengals had two of their receivers, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, leave their game uh, with a finger and hamstring injury, uh, respectively, for those two. Uh, another wide receiver, DJ Moore, for the Panthers, left the Panthers game with a, an ankle injury. And then the Ravens can't catch a break with their quarterbacks. Tyler Huntley getting a concussion, knocking him out of the game. The Ravens really, really need to have Lamar back. But without a doubt, the four injuries that are most notable going into this week, depending on how you interpret like how well Russ is doing, Russ got knocked out of the Denver Broncos game with a concussion in what was arguably his statement, I am here as the Denver Broncos game that we have been waiting for him to have. Uh, yeah. Over 300 yards and three touchdowns before he got knocked out. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Russ getting knocked out? Yeah, he had a fancy, he had a, a great game until he got knocked out. Um, it's sad. I mean, as you say, <laughs> been sort of waiting for this to happen all, all year. You know, when when is Russ going to spring into life? When are the Denver Broncos going to spring into life? They've had a terrible season, I'd say, along with the Rams. Mm -hmm. They have been the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year, no question. Um, with all the talent they have, I think a lot of that has to do with coaching it. It seems that Hackett can't quite hack it. Um, and yeah. this was a game where he, he finally showed up and, and, you know, Russell Wilson being the Russell Wilson that, that we know. Um, and it's sad that he had to go out with a concussion. It may well be a sign of things to come. Who knows? With the Broncos season being where it is right now, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if out of caution for the future that the Broncos held out Russell Wilson for a week just because you don't want to mess around with concussions. At the very least, what I saw out of this game might be a sign of optimism for the Broncos because they're like, okay, Russ can do it. Uh, mm. We just have to make sure that our team on offense around him isn't terrible and that he's also not being terrible too. Uh, I don't know how you get all of those together. Yeah. Change a uh, head coach is going to help with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... My personal um, opinion on on Russell Wilson is that I I do think he is on the sort of plateau of his career. I, I think when you look at, I know he's dealt with some injuries over over his last year with the Seahawks, but I I I just think that he's not the Russell Wilson that we we've sort of come to know and love. And I, which isn't to say you know even sort of seventy five percent of what he used to be is still going to be good enough to to if you have pieces around him to get a team into the playoffs and maybe even make a deep run, maybe even get to a Super Bowl because he is still an elite quarterback. I just don't put him in, in that on that level. Uh, Tyreek Hill left the Dolphins game with an ankle injury. Now, he's not yet been ruled out of this upcoming week's game. 
uh, against the Bills on Saturday, by the way. This is going to be our first lots of games on Saturday week. Yeah. This this could be a huge lo- loss uh, for the Dolphins if they don't have that speedster. Uh, you saw that fumble pickup he had this past week, right? Yes. Have a very, have a very <laughs> I want the in- Betty Hill music to play over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am... Um... I have a very interesting story, actually. So uh, I I turned it on literally just on that play where, when I finally kind of got back from where I was on Sunday night and I turned it on and it was on that play and I was like, wow, that was that was incredible. Um, but that shows he's the most explosive player in the NFL. If he is ruled out, it's it's a it's a big loss. Yeah, yeah. Another huge wide receiver injury. Debo Samuel left. The 49ers game on a cart. He did avoid an ankle fracture, but he does have a high ankle sprain. That will assuredly rule him out for the rest of the regular season. He is likely out for four to six weeks. <sighs> this happens all the time with the 49ers. They keep yeah. getting their big players hurt over and over and over again. And while I'm a Seahawks fan and I love to see the 49ers in pain, I don't want it like this. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this a number of times. They, they just can never get the, the sort of rub of the green. They, they just, there's always someone injured. You know, well, two, well, yeah, last week, Jimmy G goes out. Um, obviously, at the beginning of the season, Trey Lance goes out. Nick Bosa's often, often been in and out. Uh, Debo Samuel's had injuries before. Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it is just, you know, they're, they're big-name players after big-name players just always seem to go down. And... I, it is interesting. You wonder if there's something deeper there, whether it's how they train or something like that. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think it's something to do do with that. But um... I've said this multiple times that whoever is in charge of groundskeeping for their stadium needs to be fired because it seems like every time somebody gets injured, it's on their turf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, <laughs> the major injury uh, happened just last night as we're recording this. Kyler Murray. On the third play for the Cardinals, uh, tries to make a cut, and it looks like his knee just completely blows out underneath him. Uh, He has to be carted out as well. Uh, There has been no uh, announcement yet as far as what has happened. Uh, It is suspected that we have an ACL tear, and if that is the case, uh, we are likely not going to see Kyler Murray... Probably not until mid to late next season. I just want to ask you two questions, specifically you. What do you think this means for Kyler Murray's future with the Cardinals as far as like his impact? And for you personally, Biz, since we are in a keeper league, you have Kyler on your team and you have Trevor Lawrence. Is this going to create a conundrum for you if you're going to want to carry two quarterbacks? Are you already thinking not having Kyler? Uh, so I'll answer your second question first. Yes, I am. Because I initially, I was definitely obviously going to keep Kyler Murray. He, he's not my favorite quarterback, but he does put up fantasy stats and he is someone that is a dual threat. He runs and passes and often is always, you know, gets around 20 points. Now with this, I mean, it, it's difficult to speculate because we just don't know. If it is a suspected ACL tear, which, as you said, could be out for 18 months or so. Sources um, close to the situation state that there's little doubt that it is. Okay, so that's basically about a year to 18 months. 
we've seen in the past quarterbacks come back. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago in our, in our podcast about RG3 and mm-hmm. um, his history. I don't know if it was exactly the same injury, but his history with injuries. And they always there's always this notion about running quarterbacks that you, you're just so fearful that something like this is going to happen. So in terms of Arizona's future, there's always been question marks about Kyler. We can, we can obviously go back to, you know, the last year or so where there's been questions about his leadership and, 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 you know, does he put in the effort? And then there was that infamous story with his new contract where there was a stipulation that he, he had to, you know, have four hours of, of film time or something like that. And I just wonder, you know, if you're, if you're going to, if he's obviously going to be out for the rest of this season and most of next season, and, and it may well be all of next season, what, what, what are they going to do? They need to build for the future. They need to have a plan in place. I wonder if this might be, you know, the sort of beginning of the end for Kyler Murray because it's so hard. He, he, keep in mind, remember, he he's young. a five-year extension. He did. He did. He did. And but, they're likely not going to be able to get out from under that for another three years uh, because of the guaranteed money. So if okay. they were to, like, cut him in the next year or two, they will likely uh, sustain a cap hit on that current season north of $70 million, $80 million for that season on Kyler, and that would just destroy their cap. I, th- I think often with NFL teams, they sometimes sort of find a way around these things. Not, I, I don't know whether they'll cut him, because I think ultimately they would want to see if and when he comes back and when he's fit, what, what he's like. And, and, you know, he may well be the, the Kyler that we, that we used to see, but um, it's hard, Mike. I'm fearful that when something like that happens, quarterbacks just aren't the same again. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really hard to come back from that type of injury. So I wish him all the best. You know, I hope, I hope he you know, has a speedy recovery and comes back sooner rather than later. But um, it is worrying for, for the Cardinals. I certainly wish that he has a speedy recovery. I uh, already mentioned this with the 49ers, but even though he's a division rival Cardinal, like this is not the way you want to see your division rivals go down uh you want to see them go down because you beat them and kyler murray is a fascinating player to watch on the field and i certainly hope that we get a chance to see him back on as soon as he is uh healthy and safe to be able to get back on the field biz we have a couple of questions that we laid out for this week so and i want to know Based off of the wins that we saw with the Lions besting the Vikings and the Panthers besting the Seahawks, both of these teams are on upward climbs. The Lions are now just a couple of games out of the wildcard spot, and the Panthers are looking at the Bucks, who lost another game and thinking, we can get this division title. Do you think that either of these teams are legitimate contenders to get into the playoffs? Legitimate contenders? <laughs> legitimate contenders is a strong To get word. into the playoffs. Not, not Super Bowl contenders, but playoff contenders. It, it's so tough for me because in terms of the, the kind of equations, the mathematical equations, it's much easier for the Panthers to get in because they're only one game back, I believe, from the division lead. I mean, the Bucks are there at six and seven. We've said this. There could well be a, a division winner in that with a losing record, um, and and I can see that happening. I can see the Bucks maybe going eight and nine and winning the division. The Panthers are only one game back, so so in terms of it's easier for them to get in as a division winner, and 
you know, they may even have a home playoff game, which I think makes a farce of the NFL, but that's that's a conversation for another day. The Lions are actually, I think, the better team. I think they're better than the Panthers. They have been competitive all year. The last few weeks, they've just been, they've been good. They've been very good. Their and you talked about this last up, week. And their offense yeah. has been great. Oh, Jared Goff has been balling. I mean, yeah. you, you, you said last week the Lions are favorites against the, the 10 and 2 Vikings um, yeah. at the time. And you're like, how does that happen? And, and they won. So, you know, I think it's, hard, it's much harder for the Lions to get in in terms of the road because they're obviously not going to win their division. And so it would only be as a wild card. They're not eliminated yet. <laughs> Are you saying, you heard it here first, that Mark could well be picking the Lions to pit the Vikings to the division? But well, I'm no, not. You're right. The Vikings were my preseason pick for, to right. win that division. But, but, but mathematically, I just you're right. They're not out of it. But these I don't are the think teams that the Lions have to play for the last four weeks: the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. Wow, they could win all four of those. They could. They could. That I I didn't know that they could. That, I mean, that's a very interesting proposition. I mean, the Lions have won their their last two. Is that correct? They have won five won. of the last six. Wow. So they were... They were one and six. They were one and six. And they and now won. they're six right. and seven. I would love to see the Lions get in the playoffs because they're, they're often thought of always as the doormat of, of the league. You know, people are always like, oh, are you playing the Lions or something? But actually, the Lions aren't one of the worst teams in the league this year. Um, they're not. They're far from they're that. They're not. They're, they're far... Yeah. And they're competitive. They've got some pieces there. They're a pretty decent team. And as you say, their record is the same as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are, who are currently in the division lead. But yet somehow people don't think of them in the same sentence. But they should, because they have the same record. So, yeah, um, I would love to see the Lions get in. I think the Panthers getting in would be a, a bit of a farce, but that's just the nature of how that division has played out. I think it's going to be pretty tough for the Lions to make it in. And the reason why is the teams that they're competing to get into that wild card spot, not only do they have to catch up to those teams, but they have to line up kind of perfectly to be able to win on tiebreakers. Now, the Giants have not been doing particularly well the past few weeks or so. The Lions have a victory over the Giants, so they would have that tiebreaker over them if they ended up tied. The Lions also have a victory over the Washington Commanders. So if they ended up tied with each other, they would end up winning that tie. The problem is, is both the Giants and the Commanders actually have a tie on their record. So right. that eliminates the head-to-head -head matchup between all of them. And additionally, the other team that they're competing with for that is Seattle. And Seattle has yeah. a head-to-head -head victory against the Lions as well. So they're really two games behind the Seahawks at this point instead of just one. So the Lions' path to be able to get into the playoffs is a little murkier than they yeah. want. But yeah. they just need to win out and hope that the rest of the league lines up the way that they want. And it's possible that any of those three teams, Seattle, Washington, and the Giants, all of those teams have been... Oh, the Giants and Seattle have been struggling as of late, and Washington has been having a, a pretty fascinating rise over the past couple of months or so. Yeah. Really, anything can happen. So... I think it's least likely that the Lions make it to the playoffs out of those four, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked.
yeah, I mean, it is weird that we're talking about this. You know, who'd have thought we'd be talking about this like six or seven weeks ago? So. <laughs> yeah. Last Thursday, we saw a fascinating start by Baker Mayfield with the Rams. Uh, at this point, like, it seems like it's been so long ago that Baker led the Rams on that comeback victory in those last few minutes. And it already seems like it's stuff of legend at this point. With the fact that Matt Stafford has the injury concerns that he has been having. He's had concussion issues this, this season. He had the elbow injury at the beginning of the season. He's got a spinal contusion that is likely going to keep him out of the rest of this season. He's already one of the older quarterbacks in the league, and he just got his Super Bowl. Yes, he did just sign an extension this offseason, but do you see a scenario in which Matt Stafford looks at everything and says he has going to prioritize his health and hang up the cleats, and then Baker is your franchise quarterback for the Rams going forward? No. <laughs> I, I think that's a bit far-fetched because I... I mean, is Sean McVay even said that he was a huge Baker fan. He sat next to him on a flight, and the two of them just took off when they met before Baker was drafted. I'm, I'm going to say that <laughs> Baker Mayfield seems to be someone that needs that love. And if Sean mm -hmm. McVay is a massive fan, we've seen what Sean McVay obviously did with Jared Goff, took him to the Super Bowl. You know? and, and Jared Goff is a, a, a good quarterback. I don't think he's... Mm -hmm one of the best and he's not one of the worst. I think he's kind of average. Established vet. Um, established vet, right. And I'm put Baker Mayfield sort of in that same category, although I think on a talent level, I think I would, I personally think Baker Mayfield has a bit more talent than Jared Goff. Um, okay. But I, well, I, I also think he, Baker Mayfield is someone that you want to play for. I think he's got that, kind of heart that and he does these things that no one would have thought and he comes in and leaves them on a last you know last minute drive to win um I, I just can't see a scenario where Matthew Stafford decides to kind of hang it up and they go with Baker Mayfield for the future um I think if and when Matt Stafford comes back and is healthy they're going to go back to him this has just been a bad year you know Super Bowl hangover uh, I think that's more likely the scenario than not I think Baker Mayfield is auditioning for his next team I think that there is a scenario yeah. where the 49ers take a look at Baker and say, you know what, we could end up signing him to a one-year contract uh, in the event that Trey Lance isn't ready to go from his injury at the beginning of next season, and we'll see how that plays out. Although right. if Brock Purdy continues to play well, then they yeah. do not need to sign an established bat. Speaking of the 49ers, Brock Purdy got injured this past week, and there is a good chance that Brock Purdy plays this week, uh, although it's a short week, and they have to play against... Seattle in Seattle, uh, but it doesn't seem to matter uh, with any of these quarterbacks that have been getting injured for the 49ers. They just keep finding a way to win. Knowing what their quarterback woes have been and continue to be, where do you rank the 49ers in the NFL right now as far as not just Super Bowl contenders, but amongst the best teams? I wouldn't put them among the very best because I, I do think... Brock Purdy has won the last two weeks. I mean, I know Jimmy G started a bit and went out. But it, it's, it's interesting to me that they have won the last two weeks and they've looked dominant. And again, it's all on the defense. I mean, they crushed the Bucks this last weekend. And what was supposed to be the Brady homecoming? Right. And I don't think a lot of people saw that 
coming, given that oh, they're I, playing I think with the their matters to win that match. Well, uh, well, I think, I think, I think there's there's kind of the the second string quarterback syndrome, and yeah, that they just keep you on mean winning. Third string. And third string, yes, they they just keep on winning, and I would say defensively, they they are. I mean, they probably have the best defense in the league. I mean, they they just seem to blank people out. They shut people out, and and they make it so difficult for people to score. And, you know, it's that old adage, but defense wins championships, as you guys say. Um, and I think they, they can ride that all the way to the NFC championship game. You know, my, my Super Bowl pick is still alive. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, they, I wonder if sometimes there's a bit of a honeymoon period with a, with a third string quarterback, um, you know, often used to happen with, um, you know, Ryan Fitzmagic, you know, he come in, play lights out for a few games, they give him the starting job and then it all comes sort of home to roost. And I wonder if Brock Purdy may get found out a little bit, but, you know, currently they're riding that wave. And I, I still I still think, I know the Vikings lost, but it was a division game. The Lions are one of the hot teams right now. Um, I, I still think, you know, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Cowboys, I think they are all the kind of three elite teams in the NFC right now. Um, and I'll probably put the 49ers. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the 49ers are sort of just just below that. Teams that I would take over the 49ers. Right now, I would take the Eagles. Right now, I would take the Cowboys. I think both of those teams have okay. equivalent defenses, and I think both of those teams have better offenses. Uh, I say equivalent. I do think that the overall hellacious talent that you find on that San Francisco defense it has a higher ceiling than what you see on Dallas or, or the Eagles, but both of those defenses have been balling out this season and that you, you cannot ignore that. Those are the only two teams in the NFC that I would place over the 49ers. On the AFC, I, w- I would place, I would take the Chiefs over the 49ers. The Chiefs did beat the 49ers 44-23. to That was the last loss that the 49ers had, by the way, seven weeks ago. 49ers on a six-game winning streak right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would take any other AFC team over the 49ers right now. I don't think I'd take the Bills. I don't think I'd take the Dolphins. I don't think I would take... Um, no, I don't think I would Dolphins? take any other AFC... <laughs> if I knew 100% that, that Brandon Staley... <laughs> was not their coach? <laughs> if I knew that Brandon Staley was going to put the game on the line on a two-point conversion when he could tie with an extra point then I would take the Chargers <laughs> over the 49ers. <laughs> uh, but be so, that as it may, because I, he's, he's so predictable, uh, I, I would definitely still take the 49ers over the Chargers. But I, I, right now, I have the 49ers as the fourth best team in the league. And that's no disrespect in my mind to the Bills. That's no disrespect in my eyes to the Dolphins. I think that if you have the Bills with Von Miller out, I think that significantly diminishes what they're capable of doing. And... I think we are slowly seeing what can happen to the Dolphins when you pressure Tua significantly. And if there's one thing that the 49ers can do, it's pressure Tua. Oh, and by the way, the 49ers beat the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago, 33-17. to 17. So yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's a stretch to say that the 49ers are likely the fourth best team in the league. Yeah, I, um, I, I wasn't looking at the AFC. Um, I was kind of thinking NFC, but mm-hmm. but switching to the AFC, would I take any of those teams over the 49ers? Probably not. I think the NFC is by far the stronger conference this year. Um, 
and and I think that yeah, I mean the Bills, Dolphins, Chiefs, Chiefs over the 49ers, I I would probably go with the Chiefs just because they have more offensive firepower. They're really the only team that I think I might take over the 49ers, but I but I do think it's close. So yeah, um definitely in in the NFC I'd still put them sort of fourth, but in the AFC I'd probably put them over many of those top seeds in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Right before Russ left the game, after being knocked out, uh, we already alluded to this, that he was having a fantastic game, arguably the best game that he's had since he was a Seahawk. Do you believe that this is more of a glimpse of what's possible with Denver, or do you think that this is a, uh, a one-off? I, I lean towards, I actually think it might be a one-off. Because I think when you look at, when you look at the body of work of what Denver has done this year, it is a one-off. So... Um, it's not like he's been throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns every game and, and they're putting up tons of points, but they're losing because their defense is rubbish or whatever other mitigating circumstances. They're, offensively, they have been anemic all year. And this was, for me, almost an anomaly. I was kind of surprised when I, when I saw the score. I hope, I hope it's not. I have to say my view of Russell Wilson has gone downhill over the past year or or two years, I'd say. The more, and I know it's stories, but just the more stories come out about him as a, as a person, I, I used to love him. Like when he, when he first came to Seattle, I, he was arguably my favorite quarterback in the league. I thought he was great. And it was partly because I, I thought he was so humble because he kind of got the job when Matt Flynn got injured and he was lights out and Pete Carroll said, okay, you've got the keys to the car. And he was brilliant. Obviously won a Super Bowl, should have won another one, um, had 10 years of great success there. But I think as his ego got built up, so did he. And I, I'm, I'm sort of, it sounds horrible, but I, I, I think there was this element of like, you know, I'm going to show you Pete Carroll. I'm going to go to Denver and I'm going to stick it to you. A bit like Tom Brady with the Bucks. But I'm sorry to say Russell Wilson isn't Tom Brady. And if anything, the proof is in the pudding. And again, it, it has only been 10 week, um, you know, 13 weeks of the season. But you know, I think Pete Carroll's showing that, you know what, you can go somewhere else. I'm still going to be fine you know, because I know how to coach. And I've got this basically journeyman quarterback who has been who's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year, and Denver's uh, Russell Wilson. To be fair, has just been it, it's sad to say for a Hall of Famer, but he's been stinking up the joint. He had a very good week this past week. I personally think it's a flash in the pan. I think it's an anomaly, and and I I don't think that's going to continue. I mean, it's sad he's gone out with a concussion, so who knows how long he's going to be out for? But that's just my my gut reaction. I think the other thing is you know when you read things like that. Marshall Lynch story where apparently he has to go through his agent to speak to him and 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 just a couple of weeks ago where one of his offensive linemen or was it his defensive linemen was kind of screaming at Russell mm-hmm. on the sideline I think the aura surrounding Russell Wilson is starting to just kind of dissipate a little bit I'm going to take a contrarian approach to this question uh, I, I'm going to suggest that this is a possibility of things that may come but for a different reason than what I think is like his, his capability and his talent. One of the biggest frustrations I had with Russell Wilson, and I attributed this to Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson when he was on the Seahawks, 
is it seems like Russell Wilson always loves to have the game be super close. Russell Wilson always loves to come back from behind and lead that fourth quarter victory, and it just gave too many people heart attacks. If you take a look at the Broncos' season, the Broncos have only had one loss by more than one score. They've right. only had one loss by more than one score, and that's when they lost to the Panthers 23-10 to a few weeks ago. Now, the Chiefs game appears to be more of an anomaly to that because at one point, the Chiefs were up 27-0. But every single one of these games, it is a one-score or even possession going into the fourth quarter with the exception of the Panthers game. And I think that if Russ is in this scenario where he's just like, you know what, we're just going to chill, we're just going to lay back, we're just going to go ahead and get all this going. And then he suddenly just starts throwing. Touchdown to Judy. Touchdown to Judy. Touchdown to Judy. He had three touchdowns to Jerry Judy this past week. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's his, him finally getting comfortable with his wide receivers. But what I wanted to see more than anything else last year was Seahawks get ahead. Go for the score early. Just go for the touchdown early. And I think we are seeing Russ continuing to just be passive up until it's necessary. And that's the problem. Can he lead to success? Because he loves to show that he can overcome adversity in the fourth quarter. Sure. I think a little bit of that, if that's the case, would be self-inflicted wounds. I I think he's going to continue to be competitive in the next few years. But I think that this is actually more of an anomaly and, 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 and not actually like him constantly throwing 300 yards and things. So we do sort of agree on that, though. That we do, that, but I think it's, it's for different reasons. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. We, we agree for different reasons. And with that, we're going to be looking ahead to week 14. If you're in the mood to watch football this week, our dear listeners, there are a lot of games to watch. Foot. There are a lot of days you can watch football. 49ers Seahawks are on Thursday night. We have a few games on Saturday, including Dolphins at Bills. Uh, Sunday, you've got a couple of decent games going around there. Lions and Jets. I'm going to be excited to see that game. And Bengals and Bucks. I'm really excited to see how that game goes on. Uh, Monday night, uh, Rams at Packers. Both of these teams, you just like, meh, ho-hum. But now you've got the Baker Mayfield Rams against a Packers team that has actually had wide receivers that can actually play. I don't think anybody thinks that this game's going to have fantasy or playoff implications to it. But to me, that's one of the more interesting games of the week. What about you? Are there any other games that you're looking out on or any of these games that you're interested in? So I have to ask you, why is the Rams-Packers one of the interesting games of the week? I think it's a story. Like, the first two games that Baker Mayfield gets to play for the Rams are both primetime, one on Thursday night football, one on Monday night football. And based off of how the Packers defense has been doing this year, Baker could ball. I feel. I feel sometimes. I, I, are you? Do you moonlight as a spokes, spokesperson for the NFL? I feel you're trying to give people reasons to watch the Monday night game against two. The, it's I'm, not I'm a Thursday night like football, football game. It's teams. not Thursday. The bad teams are. Uh, the bad games are always Thursday night football, not Monday night football. I know. I know, and it's interesting you say that because I think when they were doing this, they thought they thought, okay, 49ers <laughs> Seahawks are probably going to be two bad teams. And I just think I love it when this happens because it's like I think I love it when the NFL has egg on their faces because this happens a lot where they'll look ahead and and I also think it's it's so sort of dumb for them to program like we we say this every year there's there's always well not just one now there's an extra team in the playoffs there's 
often three or four teams that, that are just total surprises every year in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And so why does the NFL just assume, okay, well, these teams are going to be really good. The Rams are obviously going to be up there again, and the Packers are, so we'll put them on Monday night. So I think it serves them right, because I don't think many people are going to watch it. So for me, that's, that's a game that really isn't particularly interesting. But 49ers, Seahawks, yeah, that's, that's a big game. Playoff implications. You said 49ers have won six in a row. Six in a row. Say? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's tough. With their their defense is playing lights out. Mm-hmm. Seahawks have lost two in a row, haven't you? We have. We lost to the Raiders. We lost to the Panthers. So we didn't oh, lose but you to beat, good teams. You beat the Rams in between. I think you've lost two or three. Oh, we've lost three of four because we lost to the okay. Bucks, lost to the Raiders, beat the Rams, right. lost to the Panthers. Right. So, so it's not it been a good month. It's not been a good month. Seahawks have been... You're currently out of the playoffs, I believe, as it stands. Yeah, we're Obviously, currently in the still... eighth scene. I think we're right. starting to show more of who we are than we were when we were surging at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I think we're kind of regressing and to you... the mean. I think we're going to end yeah. up hovering around 500 when the season Yeah, ends. you did say that, but you, you still it's it's still there for the taking in terms of that I mean, if we win spot. this week, if we, we, right, if we win this big. week, we are right in there for the division, too. Yeah. I, I, I'm not necessarily sure if I would pick the, the Seahawks over the 49ers. No. But those are always intense games to play and yeah. to watch. Dolphins-Bills on Saturday. That'll be a good game. That'll be a very good mm-hmm. game. Um, obviously, Dolphins... On the NFL Network. Yeah, Dolphins didn't have a great game against the Chargers. I- I'm surprised I picked the Dolphins. I thought the- I thought the Dolphins would beat them. So that, again... This is a revenge game. Yeah, yes, that's true. Lions-Jets. Um, yeah, I mean, the Lions have been surging. Um, Lions could be favourites in that. Bengals Bucks again, um, going to be a good game. Um, Joe Burrow versus the, the goat. The goat. I wonder if the goat will bounce back. Um, but the Bengals have been surging. The Bengals have been playing really good uh, lately, and I, I, I can, I, I think the Bengals are probably going to pick that one out. But, but yeah. So, taking a look at all these games, Biz. Neither of us had particularly great picks last week. We did not. Biz, you picked the Titans last week. I did. Uh, the Titans lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jazz. In that I got, I got ex- offensive smoked. explosion. Yep. And I picked the Raiders to beat Baker Mayfield on Thursday night football. So uh, I've been disappointed did. for five days. You did. You did. Yeah. And we did not have a guest pick last week, so everything remains the same. Uh, just to recap the uh, the points, Biz is ahead of everybody right now. He has eight correct picks this year. I have five, and the guests overall have six. I do have a guest pick this week. Let's hear it. Our guest pick comes from Kelly, a uh, big fan of the podcast. And Kelly is going to be picking the Lions to beat the Jets. He is, he's going out there. He's taking a team with a losing record that is surging against a team with a, a winning record. Yeah. I mean, the, the Lions are... I mean, there's only one game, I believe, between them, but the Lions are surging. And I think that's, I think that's a good pick. Who do you have this week? Have I picked the 49ers? Not. Not yet. Ooh. Have I picked the Chargers? You have not. No. Uh... No, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't bring. I'm gonna to have to pick them probably sooner or later. You have four more weeks. You have to find I am, four I more am, games. I am tempted. To, I, I'm always wary of division games because mm. the, uh, honestly, my gut reaction is I actually think the Seahawks might win. 
you've got the 49ers that are riding high, the Seahawks that have lost like three or four. And I know that traditionally the 49ers just have Seattle's number. It's Seattle basically never beats the 49ers, but I think this might be one of the weeks where Seattle wins. So I just don't want to pick, pick them. You know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to, come on, Brandon Staley. Come on. Oh, I'm sure we'd be listening to this podcast. I I mean, as you can see, I'm so confident in this pick. I mean, you know, I actually think the Titans are going to win, but I'm going to pick because I picked them anyway. You know what? I'm going to do it. Chargers over the Titans. You have the Chargers defending home turf against the Tennessee Titans who just lost against a division rival. I'm going to take a division matchup. You are? There are a few division matchups this week. Um, Atlanta, New Orleans, New Orleans, that's a big division matchup. San Francisco, Seattle, I'm clearly not going to pick against the Seahawks, even if I don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in this week's matchup. But there's another division matchup on here that I've got my eyes on, and that's New York at Washington on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. The yeah. last time that these two teams play, they played to a tie. And yes, they did. That played, was a few weeks ago. It was a few weeks ago, and it was a fascinating game to watch. Saquon has been banged up a lot over the past couple of weeks. Yes. And New York has been stumbling a lot. Yeah. Uh, and during that period of time, Taylor Heineke, who has been entrenched as the commander's starting quarterback, has actually been playing extremely well. The Washington commanders have not lost a game since they played the Vikings a few weeks, about a month or so ago. And since that Thursday night football game against the Bears, the Commanders have gone 6-1-1. One, and one. Yeah. They're one of the better streaking teams at this point, and right now uh-huh. I'm going to ride that wave. So I'm picking the Washington Commanders to be able to defend home turf against the vision rival New York Giants to not only beat the Giants, but also jump ahead of them on tiebreakers in the uh, playoff card uh, race uh, and start to cement themselves as one of these wildcard teams. It's an interesting, so, I'm going to add to that, it's interesting, I don't know if you've seen the seedings, but currently all four NFC East teams, if the playoffs started today, all four NFC East teams would be in, which obviously absolutely. I'm sure has never happened before. I mean, I know there's an extra team, but I'm sure you've never had a scenario where all four teams in a division get in. So that, no, that would be it's only been amazing. possible the past couple of years. Because of the extra team, yeah. Um, which, which is interesting, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a very realistic chance that all of these NFC East teams make the playoffs, but I like what I'm seeing out of Taylor Heineke. Uh, I'm a big fan of Scary Terry, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that Brian Robinson continues to, to improve and become this cemented back that the commanders have for the future. But all I need for them this week is just to win on Sunday Night Football. So just to recap, Biz, you've selected the Chargers to defend home turf against the Tennessee Titans. I have selected the Washington Commanders to defend home turf on Sunday Night Football against the New York Giants. And listener Kelly has selected the Detroit Lions to go into the Meadowlands and beat the New York Jets. Wow, th- this podcast selected both of the New York teams to lose this week. Hmm. <laughs> Do you think we're ever going to be invited, invited back to the Big Apple? <laughs> I'm sure you will. You, you mentioned that some of these World Cup teams were... Uh, 
we're still playing for for whatever reason this past week. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on how the uh, the the World Cup apparently ended again this past week? You know, same old, same old story of story of being a an England fan for you know for ah uh, I, I don't know where to begin really. Um, first thing I'm going to say is we played really well. You know, often it's a story where we get into a knockout game, we just completely just fold. And it's happened so many times. Um, the lot and, and against France, we we showed up. We, you know, we we were the better team. We dominated the game. I, an unbelievable stat, and I was I'm still stunned at this. We had 57 percent of possession in that match against the defending world champions France. Um, I, I think I, I'm on a WhatsApp chat with my mates from back home, and I was like, "Who would have thought 10, 15 years ago we would have more possession?" in a game like that against France, who have ball, ball players all over the pitch. So that, that was pleasing. You know, they, they were more clinical. They had basically one shot in the first half. They scored after 17 minutes. And then we, we sort of dominated the game. And then in the second half, we got the penalty back. They, they get a lucky break. It was a counter-attack. And not a lucky break, but they go on the break and it was against the run of play. And they score. They go 2-1 up with 13 minutes to go. You know, what more can you ask for than for Harry Kane, who's one of the best strikers in the world, not only that, he's one of the best penalty takers in the world, to have a penalty with four minutes to go to equalise and he just skies it over the bar. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I think the pressure obviously got to him because he's... He's not someone that even misses the target. I think he's missed four out of 21 penalties for England. He's as short as a thing from the penalty spot as anyone in world football right now. And I think it was the pressure. I think, again, it was this. Because we had a real chance to beat France. My friend put it best. She said, it's a more humane way to go out than to lose on penalties. And I think a lot of people thought, well, would we have beaten the French on penalties? Anytime we get to a penalty shootout, I don't think anyone thinks we're going to win. And I, and I was thinking, well, actually, yeah, perhaps it is a more of a humane way to go out because I don't think anyone could have taken the, the tension and the drama of another penalty shootout. Would we have won it in extra time? Maybe. If Kane had equalised, maybe. I, I think in extra time, teams are from cagey, so you don't want to give anything away. That's the first thought. If we'd equalised... I reckon it would have gone to penalties. And would we have won? I don't think, I never think we win a penalty shootout. So to be honest, I think it's probably, you know, the, 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 the better way to go out. I'm just going to leave it that we played really well. And for once, no one can argue with the performance. That's all I'm going to say. I think with the other semis, obviously Morocco, first African nation and Arab countries gets the semis. I will say before the England match, Nothing made me happier than seeing Ronaldo crying and sobbing his eyes out. But, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Argentina beating the Dutch, that was, a, that was a very good game too. Mm-hmm. Croatia beating Brazil again, who would have thought it? But again, Brazil had loads of possession and didn't do anything with it. They had tons of chances and couldn't put it away. Croatia had one chance, scored. Uh, semi-finals are set. Will I watch the first one today? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> This podcast, with its immaculate, uh, pristine picking powers, uh, went 0 for 4 in our quarterfinal (laughs) picks this week. Uh, So, Biz, 
before I make my picks, who do you want me to pick as my picks for the week? No, I no. I mean, I, I don't. You know, I don't have a horse in the race anymore. So I, th- there is part of me that I think a Croatia Morocco final would be hilarious in a way. Um, I mean, Croatia, like people talk about them. I mean, they're they're clearly one of the best teams in the world. The last World Cup they so got to the they've final. Been the they've been there. They've been there. They're in the semi-final again, so like, stop viewing them as some so-called like. But they've always had great players. They're not I, an underdog. They're just less talked about. That yes, um, I do feel that Morocco, France. I just feel France is too strong. I think often with the Cinderella team, their luck runs out eventually. You know, it, I, I don't. Morocco. They're, they're not as good as Spain. They're not as good as Portugal. In in World Cup football, it's not a league. You know, it's it's a tournament. It's a one-off game. And you have to bring it. And we all know sometimes, you know, a lesser team can beat you. And Morocco, they defend well and they hit teams on the break. They're very stout defensively. They're hard to break down. I just cannot, I I just think their luck is going to run out. I think the run comes to an end. I think France is too strong. They've got too much quality all over the pitch. So I'm going to pick France. France. Yeah. Argentina, Croatia. Again, I think Argentina is the better team. Um, there is part of me that wants to see France-Argentina because they're the two best teams left. And I think that will be a quality World Cup final. And you always want two great teams. Um, Croatia haven't really done that much in this World Cup. So I'm going to pick Argentina. I'm going to go with Messi, the, the sort of, you know, the story. I'm going to go with Messi, you know, ends his, ends his career, you know, perhaps in a World Cup, a second World Cup final. I'm going to go with Argentina and France. All right, so you go with Argentina and France. Uh, I'm going to go contrarian again. Uh, I, I, I do think that Croatia is, is good enough to be able to win this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and I do think Great. that they're going to be going kick for kick with Argentina. I think uh, Croatia is going to outright win that matchup against Argentina. And I might be just doing the American rooting for the underdog story right now. But I, I, I really like Morocco. And as much as I think France is just significantly the better team, there, there's just something wa- like a rush of adrenaline and a wave of momentum. That's something that's really, really hard to stop. And something about this World Cup just makes me think that Morocco is going to be there in the finals. So I'm picking Morocco against Croatia as my World wow. Cup finals match. Wow, that that would be. I wonder if I wonder if you if you'd put money on that at the start of the World Cup, you'd be a very rich man. I would be a very rich man if that ends up coming to fruition. But given the fact that by the time our next episode records, the World Cup will be over, biz. You have an Argentina French finals. Who is your World Cup winner? I, I'm 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 gonna pick I'm gonna pick France to repeat. Um I I, I think um which has never been done before since Brazil in fifty eight and sixty two. That was the last time someone repeated. But I, I think there's something about them. I, we were the better team against them on the weekend and they have this championship pedigree. They just don't give up. I think even mm-hmm. when we were dominating the game. And we had chances and we didn't put them away. But you just thought, even when they did attack, even though we were dominating the game, when they got the ball, you thought, uh-oh, something's going to happen. And, and it inevitably did. Um, they have a strong backbone. Um, I, I will say the France-Morocco game, I can, see, I can see what's going to happen. It's going to be France are going to attack. Morocco are just going to defend. And it's about whether France can actually score and break them down. And often in games, we see that if it gets later and later on in the game, the game opens up and then Morocco might be able to hit them on the break. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick the French to, to repeat. 
while I do like the underdog story with Morocco, uh, I, I think that this is Croatia cementing themselves and telling the wow. world, hey, we're not just an underdog. Wow. We're not an underdog. We've never been an underdog. We've always been very, very good. And I think this is the year that Croatia comes away, uh, comes away with a World Cup victory. Wow. Uh, and starts to have teams around the world start to respect them a little bit more. Yeah. So if all is said and done, uh, Biz will be celebrating a France victory, uh, <laughs> and I will be celebrating a Croatia victory. I don't know how both of those will happen, but you heard it here first. That will both I'm, happen. I'm just going to clarify this. I will never celebrate a French victory. <laughs> you ask me who I'm going to pick. That's who I, I will never celebrate a French victory, and I will never celebrate an Argentina victory. You know, I would love Morocco to win the World Cup. I just don't think it's going to happen. Moving away from the world of uh, actual competing sports into talking about a little bit more of uh, world culture that's going on right now, and very, very uh, glad to see that Brittany Griner is finally home in the United States. Uh, I have very, very strong thoughts about the deal that was made to be able to bring her back, but I, I think the thing that we need to focus on with the positive about all of this is the fact that we have a, a United States civilian that is back on United States soil, uh, that that had been held against her will for the the dumbest of all reasons. What are your thoughts? I'm just happy for her that she got released. Um, obviously, I mean, I believe it was 294 days she was in jail, and it must have been so hard for her. Obviously, then being transported to a penal col colony, and I'm sure everyone's read reports about the conditions there and how bad it is, and and obviously being an openly gay African-American woman in a country that we all, we, we all sort of know their, their laws, uh, you know, and, and their attitudes towards LGBTQ plus community. Uh, uh, it must've been horrible. And I, I am, I'm, I'm so happy that she's back with her wife mm -hmm. and, and she's back, back on us soil. Um, and I'm sure she will give a TV interview soon, but I think, you know, everyone just needs to give us some space and, and, you know, get back to her life because i think it must be so hard being in cap sort of you know being in a russian prison for almost a year and yeah i'm 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 actually happy i'm glad both parties russia and the us came to an agreement this sort of prisoner exchange um and i'm glad that that you know it was resolved peacefully and that she's back home and with all of that that wraps up our discussion for the week is do you have any shout-outs? I'm going to shout out my man Oliver from back home. Please, it's coming home. Go and win the league. Go and win the league for us. I'm actually going to shout out Roger, the man going up against Oliver. Roger, go ahead and take that. Go ahead and take that title home down to South Africa. <laughs> go ahead and take it as far away as you possibly can from the UK. <laughs> 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 uh, but but in all seriousness uh it's it's going to be a very exciting week for a lot of our listeners because of fantasy football the way that things have played out um biz you've got a consolation bracket that you need to win so that you can at least start adding up onto your accolades for the rest of the uh we, we just need to keep adding titles onto everything like i said it doesn't make any difference because i can't finish higher than where i am currently no but you can add the title consolation champion to your resume
Oh, I see. Well, maybe I'll just leave the constellation out. And just It's another division. It's just a different division. <laughs> See, that's the biz. Issue. That's the biz that I wanted to get <laughs> And with that, listeners, my coffee is very, very empty. And the only thing that I can say is cheers. Cheers. Till next time. <laughs>